Aalto University Podcast. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Cloud Reachers. Um, today um, we are joined by Matt McLean from Liverpool John Moores University. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So, so you have recently published an article called "Towards a Signature Pedagogy for Design and Technology Education: A Literature Review," um, published in International Journal of Technology and Design education. So congratulations on that. And before we move on to the actual paper, could could you um, briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I sure. I, I my name is Matt McLean. I'm a, I'm a teacher educator at the moment uh, at Liverpool John Moores University. Uh, and my main uh, subject area is in sec- secondary education, design and technology. Uh, I started my life back as a as an undergraduate student. I, I studying to teach architecture. Uh, I graduated in the early 90s and there weren't many jobs out there. We were having a, a building recession. So I started to rethink my career and ended up after a few years going into, into teaching and teaching this relatively new subject at the time called design and technology, which had just come into the curriculum around about 1990 uh, in, in, uh, in England. Uh, and I taught for, uh, for 11 years in two schools, uh, not very far from where I am here in Liverpool now. Uh, and I got to the point where I was thinking, well, um, I'd like a bit of a change, something a bit different. So uh, I, I applied for and I got a job uh, as a teacher educator, uh, training the next generation of teachers and design and technology. And through that time, over the last uh, 11 years or so since I, uh, I made that transition, I've be- become interested in research. So I did start a traditional PhD, uh, but because of my work commitments, uh, I took a different route. Uh, and at the moment, the reason why I published this paper uh, was uh, I'm working towards uh, doing a PhD by published work. Uh, and it's interesting that you should pick up this this paper because I only really wrote this paper because the feedback I got was I needed to have a paper that was a literature review. So so it was quite pragmatic, my, my approach, uh, in saying, well, I need to do a literature review, so let's just get this thing done. Uh, and actually through that yeah. process, uh, there was a lot more came out of it uh, than, than I was expecting. Uh, so that's why I'm delighted to have this uh, opportunity to talk about this paper. And that's a that's a really beautiful way to put it, Matt. And like, I think when we often talk about literature reviews, it's something that needs to be done, right? Um, but I think like your your paper shows that you know, and as you mentioned now, that you know you can actually go beyond. You you know you can use literature review as a way to kind of generate new knowledge or synthesize ex- existing streams. Um, but could you tell a bit more about like, okay, so one reason for you to write this paper was that because you had to do it. Yeah. But what about the other reasons? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so in terms of my, my, my wider uh, study, uh, so it's my, my uh, PhD, which I'm hopefully in the next year ca- coming towards the end of, it began as looking at uh, a demonstration uh, as a pedagogy within design and technology. Uh, and uh, and the reason why I started looking at demonstration uh, as a pedagogy was because my student teachers uh, kept coming to me and saying, Matt, where can I find literature 
I, I, that I can use in my, in my essays and reflections that talks about demonstration. Uh, and, and we couldn't mm. find any. Uh, so there was, there was clearly a gap in this, in this sort of fundamental pedagogical approach uh, within technology subjects, uh, but, uh, which has been going on uh, for, for centuries and centuries, well, millennia, uh, where, where experts are, are, are demonstrating and showing uh, processes and procedures. Uh, and yet there's not an awful lot written, particularly within design and technology uh, as a subject. There's quite a, there's quite a gap in pedagogical research within the subject. It's only about three hmm. decades old, uh, and it's sort of grown out of the craft subjects, uh, and uh, uh, and have become more design oriented. Oriented. So, so it's trying to fill some of those gaps in in research, uh, in the, the fundamental approaches to teaching the subject, uh, and and I find through that research there are some uh, some potential weaknesses within demonstration. It's great for for teaching skills. Uh, and mm. when teachers start talking about demonstration, they start to see it as quite a restricting down uh, and, and passing on expert knowledge. Uh, and, and it's not very good at, at opening things up uh, and, and creating uh, more creative and open-ended uh, learning. Uh, and that's, that's really what got me thinking about this term, signature pedagogies. Uh, I'm thinking, well, what is it about, about teaching and design and technology that really makes it different to, uh, to learning mathematics or learning sciences? Uh, and, and so on. So that, that, that really fascinated me. That's super interesting. Like, and I think you also mentioned this in the paper that so that as a discipline or as a field, uh, design and technology yeah, spans like three decades. And, and there's also a bit of kind of confusion or like the, the boundaries are a bit blurry. Is it like yeah. a mixed bag or? Yeah, absolutely. It, and that's one of the difficulties. Uh, um, like like a lot of uh, Western uh, nations, uh, the education system as at the moment uh, here in England, there's very much a focus on knowledge and definable knowledge bases, and that's something mm. we've struggled to do as a subject because we come from a variety of different craft-based disciplines. Uh, they uh, the, the most obvious of those that came before design technology, we had craft design and technology, which was which largely uh, coming from from the more boy-centered. Uh, technology education, so it came from metalwork and, and woodwork, uh, and uh, you had home economics, which had sort of emerged out of the uh, traditionally more uh, f- female-oriented uh, or- uh, technology subjects. So we had this subject coming together with lots of different mm. materials being used, uh, and 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 trying to get to grips with well, what what is this subject, and it's taken the subject quite a long time, and it's still getting there to work out is our our materials uh, and the materials we use at the centre of the curriculum, or is it the fundamental processes of designing? Uh, and I think the subject was set up to be more design-oriented, uh, but, but we, we as a community uh, are sort of uh, having this ongoing struggle with, well, okay, well, what's it all about? What's at the centre? So, so one of the things we had re- recently with our uh, GCSE qualifications, so the qualification pupils do uh, at, at the age of 16, uh, mm-hmm. there was a big review a number of years ago, uh, and we went from having lots of different de- design and technology subjects at the GCSE uh, examination, just having one designer technology. Uh, and that was a big struggle uh, for a lot of teachers because they were used to, they were very comfortable with with their, uh, with their the materials. That, so they might see themselves as a, t- as a teacher of textiles or a teacher of, 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 uh, of woodwork or a teacher of electronics. Uh, and what mm. that GCSE was trying to do is coming back to the focus of trying to say, well, what is our knowledge base? Uh, and trying to say, well, actually, our knowledge base centered around design and what we do with technologies, rather than technologies being uh, at the centre and, and driving uh, and driving things. 
So, so yeah. the subject, it's yeah. a subject still in flux, uh, and it does need a lot of, of research and talking and dialogue amongst teachers. And I think signature pedagogies is a really nice way for teachers to talk about, well, what's, what's important within the subject? Because it doesn't necessarily say, to say something is a signature pedagogy doesn't necessarily mean it's the best or the right way to do it. It just means mm. it's the most common uh, uh, way that's uh, the most commonly accepted ways of teaching. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's that's a really, at least for me, like that really helps in understanding signature pedagogies or like as a concept, because like it's it's not like um, like a checklist, right? Mm, no, but, yeah. but how is it that there are like um, three dimensions and three structures that kind of help? Kind of, if you unpack the concept, yeah. yeah I mean, if, if if you look at the, 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 those are structures, you've got the surface structure that's, uh, that Lee Shulman de- described. Uh, were those sort of very specific acts of, of teaching and learning? Uh, so the demonstration would be a particular teaching method, which would be a surface, uh, a, a structure within within the signature pedagogies. But you could have other approaches within that. So within design and technology, uh, you mm. might have a product analysis, uh, where you take an existing product. Uh, and you analyze different features of it as a, as a vehicle for, for learning and teaching. Uh, more modern approaches uh, that are coming into some design and technology classes looking at design fiction, so using uh, fiction to think about possible futures and to speculate about the future. So you've got all of those sort of individual sort of acts or activities which can go on in mm. the design and technology classroom. Uh, and in every other subject, you'll have different uh, acts of pedagogy, and some we share. So most su- subjects taught, we use questioning, uh, most we use some sort of teacher modelling and some form of teacher explanation. So there are some which are common, uh, but we can use in different ways. Uh, and then sitting below that is the deep uh, structure. Uh, and the deep mm. structure would be, well, what are the things that are, are generally uh, the assumptions that uh, that most uh, uh, teachers of that subject right across the sector, uh, irrespective of what school or what region uh, that they're in, uh, what would they say is the best way to impart uh, a body of knowledge or, or, or know-how uh, within uh, within a field. Uh, and for design and technology, yeah. I, I would say one of the key ones for that is the project. Uh, and so, so, so doing project-based learning uh, where, where pupils are largely designing and making uh, and working through those, those activities. Uh, and that was one of the uh, one of the signature pedagogies which came out of the design literature uh, within this literature review uh, alongside uh, there was there was others which were largely focused on higher education design. So we had the design crit, which is, is which is less common in schools, uh, but actually there's there's possibilities it could be used a lot more, getting pupils and students more engaged in criticising mm-hmm. their own and the work of others, uh, and learning from uh, from how it's been done for for a long time uh, in higher education. Uh, the, the the idea of the of the design studio is also a signature pedagogy. That sort of location where you do. Uh, a, a subject uh, and what signals it sends. Uh, so an example I was thinking about uh, last week when I was beginning to think with a colleague of mine, Alison Hardy at Nottingham Trent University, about what, what, what would a future design and technology uh, space look like? And we're having com- uh, conversations about, well, if you're trying to do some design work where you're wanting uh, children to be creative and not be fixed with their, your, their ideas, if you have a lot of equipment mm. and machinery in the area they're working with, you're automatically subconsciously biasing them in thinking, well, okay, if I'm going to design something, I need to be able to make it with those machines that are around. Mm. Uh, so so this, the, the space yeah. that we're in is a signature pedagogy in itself uh, and uh, and has a, 
has an influencing effect, not only in how we teach, but how pupils learn and experience uh, a subject uh, in, in the classroom. And also the teacher themselves uh, is a signature pedagogy, that, that expert knowledge, the support they give, the difference, the way they change from being um, an expert imparting knowledge to being a coach, uh, try, uh, trying to support and feedback uh, to, to, to pupils in the classroom. And so, oh yeah, and that, so that was the thinking about the deep pedagogy and underlying that mm, you've got mm. implicit structures, uh, and and that goes a bit deeper into the subject. That goes into a why is the subject there? If that subject wasn't in schools or wasn't in universities, what would be lost? Uh, and uh, and so things like what are the moral dimensions? Uh, what, what are the beliefs, values, uh, and attitudes that uh, that a particular subject or discipline? Uh, develops in, in, in young people, well, not just young people, but saying pedagogies can apply to any, any age. So, so what, sort of, uh, what sort of attitudes, values, and dispositions uh, do, do we believe the subject promotes? Hmm. I think that was a really interesting question, like, what, like this kind of reflection point, like what would be lost if this discipline didn't exist? I think this is like a healthy discussion in, in all of all of disciplines because we seem to kind of sometimes take it for granted that you know this is our discipline has existed before and it will continue to exist. Yeah. But is it is that really the case? So like so like in a way, so signature pedagogy could be understood as a means to kind of discuss the future of, of each domain and also how they connect to each other, right? So it goes yeah. like in many directions. Uh, absolutely. And, and sometimes we, we need to risk be, being viewed as a bit heretical uh, by, by, by asking some of these questions. So, so what if we were asked the question, well, why should every student learn, uh, learn mathematics? Or why should every uh, student learn science? That, that would almost seem like a, quite a heretical statement uh, to make mm -hmm. in most schools. Uh, but, but, but I think it's a healthy conversation for us to have is, is so, so what, what do we gain uh, by, by having a particular discipline being taught in schools or, or in universities uh, and, and what will be lost if we, if we lose it, particularly in these times when, me, when many Western countries are so being so influenced by this very much knowledge-rich and knowledge-based, which, which is putting more experiential uh, subjects a little bit to the, to the sidelines. Uh, so, sure. so we're beginning to see some of the, the knock-on effects. So Ofsted, our, uh, our inspector, uh, inspectorate for education uh, here in England, uh, they have begun to see there's been a narrowing of the curriculum in a lot of schools because of there's been uh, there've been previous policy focusing on the more traditional academic subjects. So so schools were mm. putting less uh, time uh, and less focus in and value to uh, those subjects which were seen as being uh, not within that category. So so we've got these sort of cycles where where, where through uh, through the effect of policy and through through the effect of in some cases ideologies and ad ideological ways of looking at the curriculum, uh, we have some yeah. unintended consequences uh, which, which then have to be addressed later on. So, so part of this, using signature pedagogies could be a way of creating a dialogue for us talking as teachers uh, and, uh, uh, and, and other educators that are interested in subjects about, well, what is the subject all about? Why is it there? Uh, what, are they, what do we consider to be the signature pedagogies? And possibly most importantly is, are they fit for purpose uh, for, for today and for tomorrow? I feel that, you know, like this would be a wonderful topic in itself already, like, you know, this, the political dimension and like having this uh, self-reflection um, 
But I think like, you know, that that's also like one of the takeaways from your paper in a way that kind of generates um, discussion or debate um, amongst readers, right? Yeah, de- definitely. And, and I think that there's a space for, for healthy and respectful argument uh, about mm-hmm. what's, what's there. And, and we can only really uh, get, uh, get to the bottom of something if we're prepared uh, to uh, to disagree at times uh, and and look for what well, are the ways that we can find resolutions uh, and are there things uh, that we need to leave behind uh, and move on to uh, as, as society changes, uh, as, the, uh, as the as the workplace changes uh, and, and so on. Uh, and particularly in a subject like design and technology, as technology changes, we've always had this. One of the reasons why we find it difficult to really define what our body of knowledge is, is because technology is constantly changing and moving on. So, so mm-hmm. any any curriculum is going to be out of date uh, very quickly, uh, because well, especially if you write it in, in very great detail, uh, because technologies change and move on, uh, as well as society changing and moving on. Exactly. Yeah, and I think like as a as a way to kind of go beyond this kind of technology driven discussion, in 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 the paper you identified four themes. That I mean, at least to me, it kind of resonated. You know, like these are exactly how do we go beyond technology-driven yes. discussions, yes. right? Uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And, and these these came out of of uh, um, I, and I, I sort of, some of them were sort of quite abstract, abstractly lumped together. So the first one that I, I called the three locations uh, was there were simply mm. very, very much things which uh, which were about um, factors which were not necessarily directly about uh, about the pedagogies that were being used, but ha- but had a, a strong impact. So, so curriculum was uh, was one of those locations. So, how the curriculum was conceived, was put together. Uh, is it a content-driven uh, curriculum? Uh, and and sometimes content-driven curriculums uh, are not always well suited to uh, to how signature pedagogies work because signature, signature pedagogies tend to be where mm. where knowledge is applied. Uh, and put into put into use, and that can be sometimes quite difficult to to define in terms of content. Uh, you had the teacher as well, and the, and the knowledge that a teacher brings. Uh, so, to some extent, all teachers in primary and secondary schools uh, need to be generalists to to some extent and go beyond what their university training uh, involves within their specialist uh, subject or subjects. Yes. Uh, but 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 that but that knowledge and experience that comes from that. That specialist teacher is is a key part of those locations, but also as I mentioned earlier, that the, the classroom uh, and the sorts of messages that a classroom uh, sends, the way it's laid out, uh, what facilities are in there, uh, are you uh, are you displaying people's work? Uh, and there has been a dogma out there that it's really important to display uh, people's work or or just display the very best examples of, of design, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but also the other side of that is if you're always doing that. Uh, then are you limiting people's creativity by saying this is how someone really good did it? Uh, so, mm. so I think, oh, well, if I copy cool. what they did, uh, then uh, then that will be what 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 the teacher wants wants me to do. So there, there's all sorts of tensions within any classroom. Uh, that some things we do for the uh, to benefit pupils and, and students in one way can can have unintended consequences. So yeah, the, the first one was those locations that was quite nebulous and. and uh, and a bit sort of abstractly put together. The, the second one starts to really dig down into this idea of of, of, uh, of knowledge for action. Uh, so I call that uh, capability. So so a signature pedagogy, it seems to be from literature, is about developing 
uh, a learner's capability. So not just knowing and being able to recall something, but, but being able to do something with the knowledge that learning uh, and, and knowledge for action. Uh, and, and subjects like design and technology, uh, because it is a very much about what you do with the knowledge rather than the specific knowledge itself, uh, it has been difficult for us to say when, when uh, the government uh, and Department for Education here turn around and say, well, what's your knowledge base? Uh, well, uh, actually, a lot of what is, is in design and technology is, is about experience. It's about doing. It's about responding. Uh, mm. And uh, and we, we draw knowledge from different areas. We draw knowledge from mathematics, from science, from art and design. Uh, so, so, uh, um, so as a signature pedagogy, I, I, or for signature pedagogies, they, um, I, it works quite well for design and technology because it's, it's about capability. Design and technology as a subject was, uh, uh, it originally came into being about developing uh, young people's capability. Mm, and the third sure. one, I think it was the most interesting one, uh, is uncertainty. And there seems to be a strong theme coming through that in signature pedagogies, pupils experience uh, uncertainty. And that's a good thing. And sometimes it can, can involve them being a bit anxious, a bit concerned because they don't know what to do. Uh, but, but that's still seen, seen as being a very purposeful and necessary uh, discomfort uh, that's there. Uh, and, and there's a really important element in terms of there's been a lot of interest uh, in, uh, certainly in England, a lot of other uh, education systems in pupils' resilience and some of the impact we've had in, on, uh, from high-stakes high testing. Uh, so there's a big focus in schools on, on resilience and, and subjects like design and technology or subjects where you're, you're applying knowledge, where you don't always know the answer before you start, are fantastic opportunities to develop pupils' uh, autonomy and to develop their resilience. So that uncertainty mm. is, to me, one of the most interesting things because uh, when, when a, uh, a student is, is going through a design project, you want at least some of the time for them not to know what the outcome is uh, and to, to, to not to not to have decided before uh, they, they, they start what the outcome is going to look at. So you can focus on the process uh, I, 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 through, through our project. And then the third third element, uh, sorry, the fourth element uh, was the challenges. Uh, and some of the most obvious challenges around signature pedagogies is, uh, is around the cost of delivering specialist spaces, uh, the cost mm. of having specialist uh, teachers. That's obviously always going to be, uh, to, to be a challenge uh, where... where Budgets are tight, uh, and where there's reductions uh, in money available within schools, um, but but it, but it also means if we're aware of what those challenges are, we can, we can make a case for why it's important that we have uh, that this type of space, this equipment, uh, the, the, these these particular teachers. But but also another challenge is the the uh, the risk that if we if we're not conscious about what the signature pedag pedagogies are. We could end up uh, being a bit siloed, so a bit sort of uh, uh, walled into just just doing it the way we've always done it, and not questioning it, uh, and not realizing mm. when the approaches that we're taking are out of date and not relevant uh, to to, uh, uh, to the future uh, learning and experiences of the of the people that we're teaching. Uh, so uh, so yeah, signature pedagogy can help us sort of challenge some of that sort of um, that sort of closed mind, some of that siloed thinking. And I mean, it's it, it's it's really interesting because I, I'm kind of reflecting on my own pedagogical studies during well, actually, more like after my PhD, right? Like you know, this is actually like a, a, this is something I um, would have also enjoyed um, 
kind of reflecting on when, when I design courses, right? Because I, these are actually kind of tangible aspects or perspectives to kind of take into consideration, right? And like, and and maybe the kind of my follow-up question comes a bit from um, from higher education perspective, right? Because like, I was thinking like, how would you approach or how would you, like, is it the same your approach when it comes to course design or program design? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had to give a little bit of thought, think to, to, uh, to that because because the two go ahead. They're, 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 I think there's necessary tensions there. And to me, program design mm. is about making sure everything's coherent. It, it meets all the requirements for whether it's a university or whether it's a, um, a, an exam uh, awarding organisation, uh, if, if it's for, for schools. So there are some necessary aspects mm. of, of, pro, of program design. But for, for me, course design, I'm thinking about... Uh, is more about this the student's experience what, what you want them to experience as they're, as they're going through a, a, mm. a, a, a course of study uh, and, and what you want them to be going on to uh, whereas in curriculum design it might tend to be a bit more focused on content and there is always this tension in when you're talking about signature pedagogies between between curriculum content uh, and uh, and pe- pedagogical approaches so what what pupils do in the classroom to, to, to learn uh, to learn that so so I, th- I think from for me signature pedagogies uh, helps me to think about well, well why am I doing this uh, in a particular way uh, is there a better mm. way for me by uh, teaching this skill to, to my class than by demonstrating uh, so what do uh, what what do I gain by demonstrating uh, and that might be things like well you can make sure that pupils get a very clear and precise um, understanding of what the correct procedure is, but but what you lose by that is their their opportunity really to explore and to find things out uh, for themselves, particularly where there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer. Uh, so a demonstration approach mm-hmm. as a signature pedagogy uh, implies that there is a right answer, uh, a right way of doing things, and that's not always the case. Uh, so it's 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 choosing your pedagogical approaches depend depending on, on what you want pupils to be experiencing. Uh, as they're going through a course of study, and what what sort of people you want them to be at the end of that, rather than fo- focusing on the, uh, the the specifics of of the content, as important as that is. So, so I would, I would say, uh, signature pedagogy certainly isn't anti-content, but but it do, but it does look at uh, at content uh, and say, well, actually, recognise that there is a tension there, uh, and and content uh, shouldn't mm. necessarily uh, be be king; Sh- shouldn't be the one and only thing. Uh, important as that is, uh, you need to think about how uh, how you're going to deliver that content, how people are going to not just receive the content but experience and do something with it. Mm. That's a, yeah, that's a really powerful way of putting it in a way. Um, it it sounds really heavily kind of student driven or like think as you said like you know experience. So it's not like course is not um, a box if you will, where you just, you know, pour everything, but it's more like thinking about what does the student get out of it once they have gone through this experience? Yes. Yeah, and, and there is a temptation for, for, for a teacher who does not, doesn't reflect. Um, then there's a, ten- uh, there's, a, there's a potential that they're just going to teach the way that they've always taught or the way that they were taught, uh, and they're not going to take into account what the pupils are experiencing. So by using a tool like signature pedagogy to reflect, you start to become more conscious about what it is you're doing uh, and what the benefits and the limitations of it are, uh, and you start to question. Okay, so 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 there may be good reasons why we've always done it this way, 
Uh, but but mm. is it really the only way to do it? Uh, and uh, and uh, and is it still the best way to do it? Or are there things we need we need to be aware of, or different different approaches we need to add uh, to our pedagogies to try and make sure that uh, people get the experience that they need? Mm, true, true. And and now kind of as a tangent or like building on building on this, shamelessly promoting. <laughs> one of the tables on uh, in your in your paper especially table seven um, where you actually have these guiding questions for educators right um, so, something you already touched upon but like, could, could you kind of elaborate a bit how do you envision or how students like your students for example how do you get them um, using these questions yeah yeah well, well, what what's uh, what I want to do with my with my student teachers is I, I want them Uh, to be start starting making intelligent decisions about what they're doing, uh, and uh, and and trying out di- different methods. So so uh, so demonstration is a very popular one because it's quite in some ways it's quite simple, uh, and it's it's very teacher controlled, uh, and uh, and it's it's about passing on a particular body of knowledge or procedural knowledge uh, to students. But but by having those questions and asking about well what are they. Uh, what are the best methods for you to uh, so say for example if I've, I've talked about um, uh, three basic activities in design technology ideating realizing uh, and critiquing uh, mm. more commonly they're called they're known in design technology as designing making and evaluation I quite like to, to change it to ideating uh, realizing uh, and critiquing because there's a lot uh, the, the terms designing are, are, are largely misunderstood uh, in uh, Uh, and used in lots of different ways, um, and, and by using di- those different terms, you start to take a step back and say, "Well, okay, they're not separate things; they're different aspects of what we're doing." So, 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 how does a demonstration help pupils to ideate, to come up with ideas? And the answer to that is, it's probably not very good at doing that. Uh, it's, uh, um, it, it may be good at uh, getting them to realize their ideas. So, if you're demonstrating how to do a particular joint uh, in wood or to to be able to join uh, two fabrics uh, together. But a dem- demonstration uh, is a very effective way to help them to realize those ideas and c- turn them into a product or a prototype. Uh, so so, um, so it's, it's thinking about well, what it's, it's choosing the right approach uh, and mm. the intelligent approach. Uh, but, but also as well as that uh, is, is making sure there's a balanced approach. So we're not just always focusing on the same methods of teaching, the same approaches. Uh, and, we're, and we're not just doing it year after year because that's the way we've always done it. Uh, it's it's a way of trying to. Uh, what I want to try and do with my student teachers is to turn them into future leaders of the subject. Uh, so one of the things I, I I very often will say to them and repeat to them over the whole year of their training is in five years' time when you're heads of department, uh, these are some of the decisions you'll be making. So I'm trying to get them at this stage to be thinking uh, like leaders in their subject uh, and to help them to become a bit more critical and aware about how they're approaching uh, t- teaching. Uh, so, so I think there's a real power in using it that way. Um, I think there's also opportunities uh, to use it to help to identify some, some uh, research agendas uh, for, mm-hmm. uh, for a subject, uh, so to identify where are the areas that are lacking in research in a subject, uh, but also for, for teachers in the classroom, just to take a bit of a step away from what they're doing and look at, okay, so this is what I've been doing for the last five years of my teaching. Um, What, what what does it say about uh, about uh, what I think about the subject and what 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 students experience? So it, is what I think about the subject 
the same as what the pupils experience, or, or sometimes there can be two different things. So it's a way of, of, of taking a step back uh, and talking about what we do in the classroom. Hmm. That, that made me think that, you know, like, it would be nice to have this massive poster in my office with like the letters, like, you know, what am I doing? Yes. In a way, like, kind of continuously. Because, I mean, that's a really good question. Like, when, when I think about when we finish courses, for example, and we often part ways with the students. Yeah. And then how do we actually know, like, that, you know, what we are doing actually makes sense or is up to standards or, like, kind of reflects the sign changing times and everything. So it's... Yeah. And it's really difficult yeah. because, because you, you go, particularly in a very busy place like a school, uh, you go in there and you get absorbed in, you don't get much time to take a step, step back uh, and really think reflectively. Uh, so, so I think it's really important that, that, that schools create spaces uh, for teachers to, to question what they do, uh, and, and particularly in, the, in those of us in countries uh, where, where I think the, the focus is very much on, uh, on, uh, uh, on, on knowledge and developing knowledge. Uh, it's what, what mm. uh, Pastor Solberg uh, calls germ, uh, uh, the uh, uh, that sort of obsession we've got with high-stakes testing in, in many mm. uh, Western uh, countries. Um, in, in, in Finland, they, they seem to get a lot of acclaim for uh, for uh, uh, not taking that approach and getting very good results in education, uh, uh, despite not taking the things which which many of our uh, political leaders are convinced are, is what's going to lead to to well-educated children. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think Matt, that's a, that's a really crucial point you are addressing here, and and maybe also kind of looking ahead, like thinking about your paper and the future. And this might be a broad question, so like please take it as as you will. But like when you think about like signature pedagogies, kind of changing organic elements or entities, how how do like what's your take on like how new things become institutionalized? So like you know if kind of going back to the kind of was it the rope bridge metaphor in a way mm. yeah yeah i mean i, th- I think if, if if new practices are 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 absorbed unconsciously i think that's potentially quite a dangerous thing and we've, we've gone through a period mm. through, through COVID 19 where we've, we've all been forced to uh, uh into uh delivering content online and there's been some really good stuff developed uh, on that uh and and some stuff that that we were, uh, in many cases, we were trying to find our way, not really understanding how this medium uh, works. Uh, so, so there's a there's a risk if there's not research uh, that goes into well, what's effective, uh, then then we can be taking on practices that that, that don't work uh, or don't have an impact, or even worse, have a negative impact. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, uh, if we think about it in education, uh, we had so when I was in the classroom uh, over the de- decade ago, uh, they, there was a a lot of interest in what, what the time was called VAC, uh, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning, and that was based mm. on quite, what it turns out to be quite flawed uh, re- research. Uh, but yet, uh, sc- schools were directed uh, to, uh, to start thinking about uh, whether children in their classroom were visual, auditory, or kinesthetic learners. Uh, and it's only been later on this is when research has been done. Uh, this has been found out to be first of all there there is no such thing as a learning preference uh, which which has a positive impact yeah. on, on particular learners. Uh, but but by the time uh, those teachers and, and I have student teachers that come in our courses that they, they were taught this way and they firmly believe mm. that this is the, this is the way to teach. Uh, so so it is it's really vitally important that, that we're we're bringing in new approaches 
uh, that we, we invest time to research and to gather data to suggest that whether they have a, first of all, whether it has a, uh, there's evidence to say whether it, that it could have a positive impact, but also when we're, when we're doing it, we gather data uh, to, to help us evaluate and judge, well, is it having an impact? Is it doing what we think it's, uh, it's, it's supposed to be doing? Mm. So, yeah, there are, um, sure. so, so, I mean, but, but sometimes it can be quite difficult to turn the tide. We, we were forced by COVID to, to, we had to change things. We had no choice. Uh, and, and, and certainly for us, we've been talking about at LGMU about doing more online learning, but, but we, we, we never had to do it. So we didn't really do a lot to develop that. But COVID came along and we were forced mm. to do it. So now we've all become expert to some degree in that, in that, uh, in that field. So there's the other side of that. If we if we never change what we do, we 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 quickly become obsolete. Industry or, or employers start to see uh, what, what what we're doing as being irrelevant. Uh, I'm not I'm not forward thinking, not preparing children and young people for 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 life or, or the workplace. So so it's I, I think there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure to try and keep us doing the same thing because that's what we what we've done, what we what we know. Uh, which mm. sometimes not really know what we think uh, is, is effective, uh, and it might have been effective at some t- point. But, but on the other side, if we if we take things on too quickly, with, without without really uh, going through a, a proper sort of uh, investigative process, uh, then there is a risk we could be uh, we could be picking up some uh, practices which which either don't have an impact or uh, or have a negative impact. Mm, true, and and this is especially the case with the with the current ongoing pandemic, right? Like thinking about the discussion now about the upcoming academic year or the school year um, that in Finland, I I think in the UK also starts in August September, yes. and I've, it's been a bit kind of scary in a way um, to kind of think about like when there's like discussion on whether we should be online or in person. Um, the discussion it's like highly politicized. Yeah. But where's the like what you were mentioning, like you know, where's the evidence? I haven't, at least in the Finnish discussion, I haven't seen much like arguments based on scientific or research-based evidence. Yeah, definitely. And for, so, and for yeah. subjects that are practical and applied, I the uh, I mean so certainly for for uh, uh, remote teaching has has had a devastating effect on on many school subjects. Uh, so, so mm. not just design and technology, uh, but uh, I, you've got subjects like like dance and drama and physical education. Uh, you've sure. got uh, uh, science as well. And, and so, unless you're just learning about what other people have found out, uh, it's, it's very difficult for you to do any meaningful experimentation. Uh, in the same way, it's, it's very difficult for you to do any meaning, meaningful designing and making in the home, uh, it, because most pupils are not going to have access to, to that equipment. Uh, so, so there are there are there are some real implications for us with remote teaching, uh, and to some extent we have to we have to live with it while we're we're forced to to be remote teaching. Uh, but mm, but mm. Uh, I I think to, that there are, we will be losing uh, something in 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 a lot of subjects, uh, and even in more traditional sort of classroom based subjects, it's difficult to get those sort of incidental. Conversations, and one of the things that's come out of research in in, in higher education, in in remote learning, is not about the not about the delivery of content, but more in terms of those mm. unexpected and incidental uh, conversations between students 
uh, both, both sure. before, during and after a lecture, seminar or workshop. So there's a, there's a lot more that goes on. Uh, it's it's what's, what's sometimes we call that, that hidden curriculum. Those things which, which are not necessarily intended by the teacher, but happen anyway uh, within, mm, mm. within and outside of classrooms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, that's, I, I think that's going to be interesting to see the impact of that and what yeah. can we do in the future to kind of ensure, um, maybe I'm be, being a bit kind of pessimistic here, but like, I'm, I'm really nervous that, you know, how things are going to pan out afterwards. Yeah. Like, I think we really need to pay more attention in the future to make sure that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what I was hoping for during COVID was to see more uh, more design and technology t- teachers think, okay, well, well, we've got an opportunity to get pupils thinking a bit more creative uh, and sort of thinking about design problems uh, and using design thinking. Uh, and I've, mm. I've seen a little bit of uh, anecdotal evidence of that happening, but I've also seen a lot of uh, evidence on the other side where a big focus on knowledge. So, so just sort of uh, things you can learn about. So whether it's about learning about how to join things, learning about different designers, uh, which are not necessarily bad things in themselves, uh, but it's only mm. focusing on, on on that sort of conceptual knowledge. It's not focusing on procedural or stri- strategic knowledge. Uh, and Ooh, I think it's quite exactly. difficult to yeah. do that. Um, I, yeah, particularly when when you've got uh, got limited, uh, uh, yeah, li- limited access to resources uh, in, mm. uh, in in people's home, and you've got a big difference. Uh, but, but there's got this whole idea of, of digital poverty uh, that uh, yeah. some pupils or some students they might only have one device uh, in their in their home and they might have a parent working at home that needs to use that for their work uh, it might be that they don't have access to, uh, to even stuff that we might consider basic uh, like pencils paper uh, and so on and it's not necessarily simply about 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 how wealthy the families are it's mm. it's about what opportunities there are in the home uh, so, so there are other issues like that that that, that need to be taken into account that, that are beyond the sort of mechanics of, of how we of how we teach online. Hmm. I I fully agree, and like that's also something I discovered when I was teaching. Now was it last last academic year during spring and like twenty 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 one? You all, that like the whole pandemic and this kind of distance online learning has opened up a huge can of worms almost. Kind of because I mean you have to address or not have to but you've been confronted what you just mentioned that you know like not everyone has the same kind of baseline or the yeah. foundations right yeah well uh, and absolutely <clears throat> yeah and, and there is some evidence coming through that particularly in the pri- primary schools uh, that I uh, uh, that, that there's several months uh, uh, children are several months behind in English and mathematics or reading and, yeah. and mathematics. Uh, than they would have been uh, had they been face to face in the classroom, but but that's even more magnified for, for less advantaged um, uh, students. So I can go from uh, if I remember right, what I was reading uh, for for the average was something like about three months difference, uh, but but it could go up to seven months difference uh, for for uh, pupils from, from low social economic status uh, wow. uh, backgrounds. Uh, so so we uh, even though there's been some good practice going on in online learning, we by no means have got there. Uh, and there's a lot of work. If we're going to if we're going to do do right by by, by pupils, we've got to uh, we've got to really have an evidence based approach and use it uh, in a very uh, deliberate and strategic way where it's appropriate and where it's been shown to have an effect. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that way that serves as a nice way to um wrap things up and like end um a bit on a different note, right? Because like the, yeah, I mean this is this is a necessary discussion, also quite heavy at times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So like what we ask from our guests, um, so we the name of the of the uh, podcast is Cloud Reachers. So who would you see? Who or what would you see as cloud reacher in your field? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a diff- difficult one that because there's lots of people that 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 I really admire and 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 really influenced by uh, in what they're writing about at the moment. Uh, there's uh, there's someone who um, I that stands out who's been writing about uh, a particular aspect of design technology for for some time that's Bill Nickel at the University of Cambridge. Uh, he's done a lot of really interesting um, work about how how designing is taught in schools. And more recently, he's he's uh, d- done research in uh, to uh, ideas behind inclusive design uh, and bringing that down into, into schools. Uh, I think that's hey. that's really important research. Uh, and uh, and the other person uh, that sort of stands out uh, to me is Renke Clackwick, who's at. Uh, uh, Delft Technology University to you, Delft, uh, and she's developed a, 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 an approach called Making Design Learning Visible, uh, which has been designed for, for upper primary, lower secondary pupils, but it's basically a set of tools uh, to help develop design thinking. Uh, and uh, and it's sort of, uh, I, when I first heard about that system, I, I, I really was thinking, well, I wish that back in, in 2004, when, when in, in England we had a, had a big push on trying to develop uh, teachers' uh, skills at teaching design. Uh, mm. We had we had a big strategy of, on that. And we had quite a lot of useful stuff came out of it, uh, but it didn't really have uh, as big an impact as we might have hoped. It didn't change the way uh, design and technology teachers taught designing. Uh, but 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 when I look at what Rempe's uh, produced, uh, she's produced something which is which is understandable and useful and practical in the classroom. Uh, which uh, uh, which which I'm. Quite excited to be to be to be using with my students. So I introduced my students last year to it. My new set of students this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to using the materials that she's uh, developed uh, uh, for, for d- developing the confidence of my design and technology student teachers in how to teach design, how to be a bit more open-ended uh, in in what they're doing, and to encourage creativity uh, in, in the classroom. So those are two people that stand out to me. I mean, there, there are lots more mm. uh, people that uh, that I've. I a real influence on my thinking. Uh, if I think about uh, education, Gert Biesta is probably my sort of educational uh, hero in terms of the, what, what he's writing about and how he approaches uh, education from a very, uh, um, very pragmatic uh, approach. Uh, but yeah, I, I could go on and on and on, but, but those, uh, Remke and Bill are the yeah. two people that sort of stand out. Thank you for sharing all of that, Matt. And, and thank you for having this conversation um it's been a true delight um so we just had a conversation based on and about your paper towards a signature pedagogy for design and technology education a literature review um thank you so much yeah i mean this has been absolutely wonderful so thanks for taking your time i'm delighted no thank you for thank you for inviting me it's been it's been great